Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you clearly. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Public Access America. This is the recording before we hit the live stream, but check out our live stream on on YouTube uh, at Public Access America. It's official. I changed the link from YouTube user, blah, blah, blah. We are now officially Public Access America on YouTube. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I had some other good news. I had some other good news, Jeffrey. This is pretty Ooh. exciting for, for everybody. And it is... Salam alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. <laughs> I hit the stream button and yeah. Sometimes YouTube mutes it automatically. Sometimes it doesn't. Anyway. <sighs> Hey, everybody, welcome back yet again to another episode of Public Access America. We have our audio issues worked out now, I think. And uh, so, Jeffrey, we had some good news, and I wanted to tell you about that. So we signed up for Red Circle, mm -hmm. and it takes 100 subscribers so that you can generate videos. And mm -hmm. in 24 hours, we had that. I mean, that was easy for some mm -hmm. reason because we already had those everywhere. But. It takes a certain number of listens averaging per week to get uh, ad revenue. You know what I mean? Oh, hey, there you go. And we 
we were right under that, but we just hit our 30 day mark and now our, our complete stats are in and we blew that record out of the water. So we're going to be signing up for red circle ad revenue, which means we're going to be doing speaking ads for things that we agree with and they want our addresses so that they can send us stuff and we can review it and tell people about it. Oh, hey, <laughs> fantastic. I'm always up for reviewing stuff. You know, it's it's one of those things like there's so many things that I could use in my life, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, there's so much junk out there and you never know what you're going to end up getting and whether or not it's actually going to be worthwhile. Yeah. So it's, you know, I always appreciate it when someone actually is used something because I got buddies all the time. They'll be like, yo, dude, you know, I heard you were looking for X, you know? Yeah. I got this. I picked it up someplace and dude, it's been awesome. Can't recommend it enough. Or, yo, dude, I heard you were in the market for this. Whatever you do, don't buy this. (laughs) Right. I mean, I learned about my body soap because I asked my girlfriend, I was like, what do your friends use? And they were like, Harry's. And I was like, Harry's it is. (laughs) Give it a shot. See what happens. That's what I've been using forever. But if somebody tells me about a better one, then Heck yeah, you know, I love that stuff. That's what it's all about. And what I think is important is because I never wanted sponsors. I never wanted that commitment. I didn't want anybody ever telling me what I could what I could or couldn't say. You know what I mean? And so I never could find a sponsor that matched this nonpartisan, neutral conversation, long form, understanding right. thing. And so I'm still not gonna pick sherry's berries or something that doesn't represent this but if somebody has a product that people use because i have another thing for you that i'm i know you're gonna love and someday we're gonna sit down and i'm gonna open the stat books for you so that you can look at them yourself but i checked out our spotify stats because in july it'll be a year and we have 54 percent of our demographic is male but 38% is female and 3% is non-binary and 3% doesn't identify. And I thought that was an amazing stat, right? That shows how neutral we kind of are, you know? Right. You know, and it's, and it's, you know, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, our, our point of view is never to like try and single necessarily anybody out Mm -hmm. i mean we understand that there's you know there's always a a thousand different viewpoints out there and it's just you got to have information to back those up right that's what i was telling that's what i was telling my friend i'm antagonistic on purpose (laughs) right right you know because because there are things out there that you know are are it's important no matter where you are who you are and Mm -hmm getting, you know, talking about some of these issues, you know, you never know who's going to resonate with, with those issues. Right. And I also want people to say what, because like I was telling my friend, I don't believe in a border. And I bring that up to be in purposely antagonistic and kind of ignorant on the issue, because I want people to tell me what they see the problems are with that, you know, Mm -hmm. because then that starts the process of, conversation about what to do with it we almost don't remember why things are here and we don't want to change but if we see how they got to where they are then suddenly we we realize it's changed throughout the years and we're the only ones not willing to change it 
that's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, are you ready for some uh, some hot topics that aren't necessarily things that have gone on in the news? Oh, heck yeah, because I I didn't know what to do today. I wrote some stuff down, and it got lengthy, and I was like, I don't even know if we're going to hit this topic list today. All right, so I got I got something that is absolutely fantastic to talk about because yes. this is one of those things that it it, it crosses everybody. It's, it doesn't depend on party. It doesn't depend on sex, gender, expression. It doesn't depend on anything other than whether or not you have money or you don't. Mm. And as we're all aware of, you know, that gap is huge. Yeah, so it, it is the new division and everything else aside, there's intersectionality to everything except that, you know, and, and here's where this gets fun is, is that when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, whether or not you have to, whether or not you want the government involved in keeping you afloat versus whether or not, uh, you know, you should be able to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There are mechanisms at work out there that, I would say they work the way they were designed Mm -hmm. and the number of people who say that it's not intentional. Well, or they try to explain away how this works. You know, the reality is, is is that the systems have an effect that either are intended or unintended, but nobody wants to fix that system in a transparent way. That's so, so let's talk about something that, I mean, you might have experience with, I certainly have experience with, my parents have had experience with, something I, you know, I know my kids are going to have an experience with. And that oh. is, what, what is, what is a credit score? And how does that determine how much more expensive your life is? Yeah, why do, why is there only three people reporting to it? And why do they have the ability to take things off, put things on and change the details in it? You know, when you look at credit reporting and and the way that it's designed to work, you know, it's about figuring out where your risks lie in terms of who you lend money to. Now, one of the things that I know that we've talked about several times is is that it is expensive to be poor. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's as someone who grew up, you know, dirt poor. Um, I it's not a it's not a contest. But when you don't have money and you don't have food in the cupboard, it's one of those things where, you know, there are things that play out later in life and it drives Debbie crazy. Our pantry is stocked with God knows whatever. And I don't know why I buy half the shit I do. But, you know, in in my time spent looking through, you know, myself and addressing some of the things that I've needed to, food insecurity was a big problem for me, like during like those first real cognitive formative years. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and knowing a few other people that have had those issues, they have, they do the same thing. It's like, you know, I've intentionally like whittled down how much groceries I'm buying right now, because we've got so much stuff between the deep freeze and the freezer and the fridge and the pantry. It's like, we got to use up some of this stuff. And, and then my lazy ass goes, "Ah, I don't feel like doing it. And I go get something. You know, that was, that was a major concern with people that grew up in the depression. Because I love mm-hmm. talking to seniors and I would ask them, why do you always buy pork? Because I had the ground beef for years in the depression and I don't want to eat it anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 
I can or, get the food insecurity thing. I just, I love just looking at my pantry and going, I could go and order McDonald's or I could just finally cook those egg noodles. You know? Right. <laughs> or, you know, like my grandparents always had like a five gallon bucket of flour. Right. And a five gallon bucket of sugar. And I never understood why until I sat down and I was talking with my grandparents who lived through the depression. And they said, you know, for a long time you couldn't get those things and you know when you don't have much to eat you'd be surprised how much you know some bread will how much bread will do you right and so having you know just having simple things like bread and sugar you know having animals that would lay eggs for you having uh you know your own source of vegetables like mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit and suddenly like you know everybody you know bought flour and decided that they were going to become betty crocker it was just yeah. absolutely incredible like yeah. you couldn't find flour for days it was as bad you know for days weeks yep. it was as bad as the toilet paper shortage like everybody you know the the bread aisle was i would say the bread aisle was decimated for about a good two weeks solid yeah. But that came back, but man, everybody bought up flour hard, mm-hmm. and myself you know, included, because it was like, at that point, it's like, there was no bread, there was some flour, I grabbed that, the toilet paper I had to stock up on, it was like, this is not going to be like the sharp death of the universe, what the fuck? Right, it's just tangentially, I don't want to get too far on it, because you're on the credit score topic, but I think mm-hmm. right now, people, there's a shortage in people willing to work these service frontline jobs like because they don't feel they're getting paid enough. And I mm-hmm. think what the pandemic did was make them learn that they could live on nothing, like without a job and still survive. And so right. why, why come back and spend those 16 hours making nothing when they could stay home with their families still, you know what I mean? And so I think that's the struggle. And I don't think a lot of politicians are seeing the fact that we've learned how to live on nothing now, you know? And so it's a lot easier to turn down that job for $4 an hour. A Domino's driver gets paid $4 an hour when they're driving. It it, honestly, it depends on the state because Mm -hmm. certain, you know, certain states and the way that they have their laws regarding the service industry don't make any sense. Like you can pay like, you know, I think it was like Kansas or something like that. You could pay like $2 and 16 cents an hour. Wow. Uh, And, and you were expected to survive off of tips. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just one of those things. that's absolutely insane to me. Like, you know, but, but but credit scores and and how you keep poor people poor. So this is where, so, so all of this, you know, whether, you know, even, even the whole, you know, bread and flour thing, right. You know, coming out of coming out of the depression and out of the war, people were looking to expand, you know, their, 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 their their livelihoods they were looking to expand you know the luxuries that they had in their house they were looking to be able to afford things that they didn't necessarily have but when it came to credit credit was you know typically reserved for you know the wealthy elite so as you as as all of these things tend to as all of these things come out to play you start to see these different mechanisms on how do you issue credit to people. So for example, you know, the big ones that we look at right now uh, in terms of credit worthiness is number one, overall debt. 
I mean, overall debt's kind of important because, you know, the question is, is what do you own of value? Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, my Chevy Malibu sitting in the driveway is not worth, you know, uh, as, as much as a, as much as it once was, but because of the vehicle shortage, it's worth more than it probably will be for a long time or should be, Sure, but it's not a whole lot of value. I'm going to bet like I could probably get three grand out of that thing. Uh, if I were to take it to a dealership right now. Uh, but that's not really a whole lot considering it's a car that runs great, doesn't have any mechanical issues. Um, I would say the issues that it does have are cosmetic, you know, some bumps and scratches, the seats are worn, but overall value wise, like if, if someone were to say, okay, I will lend you money, but the collateral is your car. Mm -hmm. They're only going to give me three grand. Okay, right. what else? That's based well, on a blue book value, right? Or a black exactly. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, my education, for example. You know, you can't repossess my education. So, right. so uh, that's, a, that's a huge problem because, you know, what if I decided that I'm going to say fuck it all and, and live in the woods for the rest of my life and not contribute to society? Well, that's a hundred and some thousand dollars that's just completely lost. <laughs> That's not, they don't, they don't see that as very helpful, hmm. but, um, you know, a home loan, you know, obviously the bank would be able to take, you know, the home and turn around and sell it for, you know, uh, well above and beyond what we get. And, and so looking at all of that, looking at whatever you owe versus what you quote unquote own, you know, the, whatever you have, mm-hmm. basing how much credit you can give somebody on those amounts, like strategically put it's like someone like me who has now managed to work them work their way up a, a little bit still you know we're not dead ass mm-hmm. broke but we, we ain't exactly right. rolling in it either yeah i got you but it's it's one of those things where when you look at other people and their livelihood and what they could afford there are people out there that aren't going to have anything to their name so you know, while that, that idea might be nice, you know, Hey, I don't have any debt. You probably don't have a credit card either. Right. You're or a if they do, or if they do have a credit card, it's, they have very low limits on it mm-hmm. because that's as much risk as a credit company, a credit card company is willing to take on them. And so that gets into what we, the next piece. And this is the one that I, this is the one that I find absolutely hilarious and absolutely frustrating. So you can have, uh, you can have your debt under control, right? Mm. You can have a a credit card or two that have, uh, that have a good balance on them. And so balance is another important factor. How much of your credit are you using? So when you're poor, what do you use as a stopgap in order to, you know, keep the lights on, keep food in your pantry, get yourself to work. People end up using a credit card, Hmm. you know? And so now here's where the next piece comes in. Your credit score determines what kind of rates you're going to get. Right. So if you have good credit or great or excellent credit, so you're looking at the 700 and above to or 750 and above uh, respectively, Hmm. The rate that you pay for your credit, the rate that your credit card accrues interest actually goes down. Yep. So when you, so as you use more of your balance, that changes your risk. So if you have 
30% or less, you know, they are like, okay, yeah, no, your, your rates can be lower. 30 to 50%, they're going to jack your rates up. 50 to 75%, going to jack your rates up. 75% and above, they're going to jack your rates up all, you know, as far as they can get them. Mm-hmm. So then the question, then the question becomes, how do you, how do you try to get yourself back off of that debt limit when you have a company that keeps increasing the rate at which they charge on your balance. seems like a slippery slope, doesn't it? It does. And and that's the thing is, is that the question of risk is, you know, where this really comes into play is, is that, you know, I, as, as, as a math person, it makes sense that the more balance you have, the less likely it is that you're going to pay it in full mm-hmm. because when you start to get yourself to a certain point in debt, that typically spirals. You're just, and paying, so, you're just paying the debt. You're not paying the you're, principal. You're not, you're, yeah, you're just paying the interest. You're not pr- paying the principal. But what it inadvertently does is it also creates this problem of what happens when you finally start to get footing. At what point do you actually get enough footing to where you can gain traction on it? And this is where the third piece comes in. And this one is the most important and the most frustrating. And that is age of credit. So this one is, this one I think is the one that needs the most work done on it. And you'll have bankers tell you, oh, well, we don't just look at, well, let me tell you something your, your, your credit reporting agency does, and they ding the hell out of you for it. So Debbie and I both just paid off a couple of old loans from going to school. When Congratulations. We right. It feels great. You know, these are old debts that are finally gone, mm-hmm. but they are our oldest debts. So what they like to judge you on is what is your overall length, your overall average history of having, Debt, right. Oh, credit. I just assume it's debt. (laughs) I mean, it is debt. For all of us, it's debt. Credit is debt. Credit is the French word for debt. So, (laughs) so you would think that as you're starting to, as you're starting to dig yourself out of debt, that some of these old things that you pay off should be beneficial to you right would make sense you're paying off something it's it's less it's a it's a smaller number overall to your overall debt history Mm -hmm. fantastic but guess what because those debts are well i think probably about 15 years old for both of us we're both going to take a hit on our credit score debbie already has i'm just Mm. waiting for mine to hit Why is that? Because our oldest loan, our oldest line of credit is now gone. So your average age is now smaller. And when they look at your average age, it's like zero to three years, three to five years, five to 10 years, 10 to 15 years, 15 to 25 years, 25 plus years. And so because that because that 15 year loan history is now gone, it has shrunk the age of credit and thus made your credit score lower. So in effect, we're getting punished for paying off debt. That means that credit card companies could take our our credit card rates and raise them simply because we paid off debt. 
Sure. You know, and, and this is where it's really frustrating because if you think about the number of people out there that have had to take any number of loans Mm -hmm. in order to either make ends meet or to get an education, I mean, for a lot of kids out there, a lot of people in in my age group, you know, we're going to have student loans until the day we die, but you know, that has been one of the things that has made our credit history as good as it can be. But in an age where they're talking about this pending student loan bubble that's going to, you know, do a bunch of damage to the economy, we're still finding ways to punish people for paying off their debt, which is where this we get into the topic of, you know, what does it take to keep a poor person poor? That's what so, that's, that's America is based on that. It's like, once you hit a certain level, you're going to fall into debt. And it's just trying to find new ways to get us into debt. I mean, if you look at what the American government is doing, it has been doing, this is not a new thing to Biden. It wasn't a new thing to Trump. It wasn't a new thing to Obama. Mm-hmm. But it was a new thing with Bush because under Clinton, we were actually running a budget surplus. Right. So when you look at from about 2000 onward, we have been spiraling into this crazy whirlwind of debt. Yeah. And if there's anything that shows, you know, just how American it is to have debt, man, our government and our, and most of us have really taken that one on the chin. We're we're really, we're really good at accumulating debt. How can you say we're the great, the most richest um, country in the, on the planet if we're just borrowing trillions of dollars? Well, the answer is simple. The U.S. government is borrowing trillions of dollars, but it's not the same as – it's not what most people think. You know, we do owe other countries money, like we've right. borrowed from China. I mean, that's just it. But most of our borrowing has come from leveraging our Social Security, which we've talked about that several times. Mm-hmm. Basically, because you know the government has an endless source of capital that is constantly producing GDP, that's constantly producing tax revenue, they are constantly able to borrow against what was supposed to be uh, a security mm. system in the event that all hell broke loose. Right. Like we've talked about before, Social Security was designed that should shit hit the fan, you have the means to provide a base level of living until someone can get back on their feet. When you look at where in the hell all of the support for COVID could have come from, the answer is as if Social Security hadn't been touched, you could have actually used Social Security to pay people to either A, stay at home, Mm. or or what have you. Make it a UBI, right. Yep. That's exactly what you could have done. But because it is so borrowed and leveraged against, it's Mm -hmm. not something that our generation is ever going to be able to use. I doubt my kids, you know, I I have my concerns that my children's generation is going to be even able to look at it. They're going to have to pay Social Security tax, but the uh, the concerns that I have of them ever seeing a dime of it is, is, is severe because we keep spending and we don't actually do anything about curtailing the spending or raising revenue and that's the reality is is that you know you got one side that just goes oh we got to raise taxes and you got the other side that says no we got to cut taxes you Mm -hmm. know we got to get people back to the reality is is that we're at a point in our debt nationally that you know every individual has had to make at some point personally you either have to 
raise your revenue source, i.e. find a new job uh, Mm -hmm. that pays better. Or B, and I would argue, you have to cut expenses. What am I paying that is not worth the money? Right. Unfortunately, though, it's just that for the American people, that expenditure cut is usually things and necessities that you absolutely need. Mm -hmm. Medications tends to be one of the biggest things that people cut because they can't afford it. Right. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest one sometimes. So it's like the one that's in your face. And like, you know, I don't, I pay my rent. I pay my electricity. I pay my cable and internet. Those are things that I automatically have to pay. But I've gone without eating for a couple days because I needed to pay that stuff. Right. And that's just it, is is that that's that's overwhelmingly the choice that individuals end up making. Mm -hmm. The government does this great, wonderful political show where they shut everything down for a few weeks while they argue over budget. And that's always fun because in the end, you know, it's it's not that the politicians get to skip out on getting paid. You know, their quote unquote salary is guaranteed regardless and on top of that their political their political handlers or sponsors whatever you want to call them donors yeah. sure we'll go mm-hmm. with that um they're making sure that their politicians get paid because they need them to enact legislation that'll be beneficial to them but your yeah. average everyday person you know who i may work for the government or you know they work in an industry that leans heavily on the government paying them like any, mm-hmm. any sort of federal subcontractor, for example, right? suddenly you've got people that are having to make real decisions about where are they going to, what, what are they going to do? Because if I remember right, statistically speaking, I, I want to say it's about two thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. Without $400 uh, in their accounts for an emergency, right? Exactly. So that's one of those things where it's like, where, where, where then, you know, in, in times like that, do people turn in order to make sure that they're able to keep the lights on, keep food in the closet, keep right. gas in their tank to get to work? Payday they loans. turn to credit, payday okay. loans. Oh. They turn to, and, and all of those things depend so heavily on your credit score and your credit history. And so these systems have figured out ways in which you can take a person's credit score and do certain things with it to make sure that people are paying the highest possible rate. Right. And so Uh, when it comes to keeping people poor, you know, you've got these large banking industries that have figured out ways that it's like, Oh, well, well, let's see, how is it that we can make sure that, you know, we're going to get our money back and that's how they tailor it. That's how they tailor the message. How do we justify it? Yeah, it's not, they're not actually sitting down and saying, how do we ensure that people pay the highest rate possible so that way we can satisfy our investors? That's really what it boils down to mm-hmm. because there, there are different institutions out there that are now taking this information and they're trying to turn it around so that way people can actually get weaned off of that, that living on credit cards or living on payday loans. Um, uh, so that's that's something that is encouraging out there. But I will say this. It's not your big bank. It's your credit union. Look at your local credit union, because a lot of them are starting to see this this problem of their members are struggling to get by. And mm-hmm. so while they might provide payday loans, some do, some don't. Right. Um, 
so they might have emergency personal loans, but they're starting to do things like actually analyze your spending history and say, hey, you know, here's a potential place where you might be able to make some cuts. So that way your money goes a little bit further. They're actually providing financial education. So that way people can start actually putting money in the bank. But even with credit unions, a lot of that information is still tied to those big three, your credit scores. Mm -hmm. And where do you think the greatest manipulation comes from? Large banks. It's like, if you want to know why I don't like the large banks, it's because, you know, they have three people that they have to satisfy. And one of them, first and foremost, they're investors. If they don't get their, how many ever pennies per share increase, like they expect, Mm-hmm. They'll literally tank a business. Yeah. It's it's basically legalized gambling in a way that is high risk and unfortunately for the people who participate in it, low reward. Right. And honestly, it's always been manipulated, but now average people are beginning to start manipulated too. Activists and advocates are, you know. Absolutely. You know, you've seen you know, you've seen some some shifts in how how people would like to see it uh, calculated. So like, Mm -hmm. for example, I believe it was FICO where their focus is actually on, on time payment history, where they look at that. It's like, yeah, you could have a lot of debt, but if you're paying in full and you're paying on time and you show a significant history of it, the likelihood that that is going to change actually dips lower. Right. And that's, that's an important thing. And it's, it's a calculation on all of them. It's just not weighted the same amongst all of them. And that's where, you know, why do we have three credit reporting unions and, and not just one or, or four? Well, tr- someone's trying to be a fourth. Mm-hmm. And what it boils down to is, is that everybody's calculation is different in terms of what risk looks like. Because, I mean, to play devil's advocate here, you know, Jason, let's say that you've made five years of on-time payments. And then we had a pandemic that shut everything down. What do you think your payment history your looks like right now? Oh, pretty bad. Yeah, so so Stacking guess what's going to ha- so guess what's going to hammer you? Everything. And and if and especially in the current, you know, with the with the big 3, guess what's going to hammer a lot of people? Mm. Their their ability to pay their debts on time. Right. That's going to be something that's really going to hurt a lot of people. And guess what that's going to do? That's going to raise their credit card. That's going to raise their credit, uh, lower their credit score, which is going to raise their credit card interest rates, which means that people who are already struggling to get by are now going to have extra expenses on their credit cards. So another reason why Republicans wouldn't try and control a pandemic. In the end, what it boils down to is, is that the systems are working as they were designed. They were designed in order to ensure that they got the maximum amount of money, Mm -hmm. that banks got the maximum amount of money out of something as simple as your credit worthiness. And they designed it in such a way that it wasn't about getting people off of having credit cards or having as little debt as possible. It was about as, it was about making it as easy as possible to get and spend but then punishing you for knocking down your debt. It's, yeah, it's a system. It's a, it's a cottage industry, right? Getting you into debt and then keeping you there and then trying to trick you that you could get out by getting into more. And that's just, that's America. 
Welcome and, to and so and so you end up with a bunch and then and that's where you get a bunch oh. of these payoff industries coming out of places that will buy your credit card debt and then charge you a lower interest rate on it. And right. you're like, ooh, this is exciting until you start to read the fine print on what that payoff actually looks like. Yeah. Because the some of those are just as predatory, if not more so. And, you know, you might think, oh, cool, I get to, you know, I'm going to have six months where I can spend less money. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea behind some of those payoff, those payoff loans and payoff uh, companies is, is that you, you put a substantial chunk of money down so that way your payment gets back to what it was, but you're paying more on the, on the, on the principal of the loan. Right, right. But unfortunately, what ends up happening to the average person is, is they go, cool, now I can make just a lower minimum payment. And then that time period expires, and then you end up getting this balloon in your credit, uh, oh. your 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 debt. And now instead of paying less, you're actually paying more, and it's going to take you longer to get out of it. That sucks. But, you know, once again, think about primarily, though. Now, this is where it really sucks. And this is this is something that I actually got to study a little bit in my master's program. You know, when you when you think about what poor looks like, what is what what do people think poor looks like? That's a great question. Well, statistically speaking, I can tell you what poor is, and it's people of color. Uh, more I, people, I, more people of color are falling into that poverty line and below than white people do um there's a gotta be a there's got to be a better way to put that because percentage wise people of color are the minority and if it's equal, percentage wise there's, there's more people, if, more white people so there would be more white people of poverty but so so it depends on black people it's it's percentage percentage wise it's percentage wise it's that's for people statistically speaking it's so i mean if you go just by the count yes there's going to be quote there's going to be more white people that are Mm -hmm. more but when you look at population percentage right thank you population population percentage percentage, people of color are statistically more likely to fall under that poverty line right it's just i my new thing is intersectionality and i want to say when mm-hmm. people when you do something to, to suppress like uh, a region an area a district a town there's mm-hmm. still an intersectionality of people in that group like my where i live is majority colored right mm-hmm a people of color and I'm the minority. And so when Tallahassee suppresses uh, black people, I fall into the intersectionality of also being oppressed. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm taking on the struggle of, of colored people. That's not it. That's not it. Right. I'm, dis- I'm disabled. And I know that everything is worse for them. And if it's me and them walking next to each other, they will get screwed much more than me. Exactly. And, and so, you know, that's, this is one of those things that when we talk about the math of it, a lot of, a lot of people are always going to jump to, oh, well, the number of white people is higher. Well, Mm -hmm. when you have, when you have a higher number, when you have a greater number of people, yes, you can, you're, you're statistically going to end up with a total 
that mm-hmm. is higher than another. But when yes. you look at what the pro- what when you look at what the ratio is, what the yes. percentage is, you'll find that it absolutely completely skews. It's like, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the DOJ report on on uh, people who are jailed. Now, this is this is information that came out of Trump's own DOJ, right. and what it showed was is that statistically, black men were more likely to be jailed than their their white male counterparts at a statistically significant higher proportion. Right. And it was only as you start to hit about, I want to say 50, that it leveled out to where it would look closer to maybe a normal distribution. Hmm. Okay. I just think if there's more white people in the country, but there's a majority of black people in our prison system, then yes, that's drastically disproportionate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's drastically disproportionate in that regard, no matter how you look at it. But Mm -hmm. now when you come back to what does poverty look like, now we get into complex systems. So, what is it? What is very hard to do if you've got a criminal record? Anything. Vote. Get a job. Get an apartment. Um, get a loan. Be, be seen as a yeah. Get a loan. Be seen as a real citizen. Yeah. So, when you look at how complex these systems get really quickly, hmm. systems work like they're designed, and until people start actually breaking down these systems, until you know. Number one, we stop arresting people of color for shit that you don't arrest white people for. <laughs> what are we doing with nonviolent drug offenses? Honestly, seriously, but that's just it. You know, I can tell you the number of dudes that I know that got busted by the cops with a joint on them and mm-hmm. saw absolutely nothing, not even a fine. That's me. Yep. But God knows how many people of color. Well, I mean, we know what happened when there was supposedly a fake $20 bill involved. So that's that's where this just gets absolutely, absolutely crazy is, is that looking at how these systems are built, number one, and then how they interact with each other, number two, tells you a lot about just how hard it is for poor people to get any sort of leverage and get out of a system in which they're very heavily dependent upon the ability to accrue debt and then hopefully paid off because unfortunately poor is poor. And when at a certain point in, in terms of credit history and credit score, it doesn't matter what you look like when you fall below that 540 mark, it, it really doesn't matter what you look like. You're just, you're going to struggle with the highest rates, the lack of ability to get a loan. And you have to fundamentally look at these systems and start to tear them apart and change them. Yeah. Who's doing that? That's a grand question. Um, and unfortunately it's not something that's, it's, it's not something that's taking leaps and bounds really. Um, I believe that there was a, there, there have been some, some lawsuits that have come up and looked at, you know, how people are being assessed credit or being assessed loans. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's usually coming from a bank level 
because I know that at one point, I want to say it was Wells Fargo. I think it was Wells Fargo. They basically, they got sued because they were looking at different zip codes and they were, they were assessing uh, higher interest rates or higher credit risks to people in that zip code. Like a well, financial red line. And guess what? Guess what the guess what the majority of the population was in those particular zip codes? Colors. Yeah. yeah. So, so finding out how all of these systems interact with each other, you know, if we're going to create true equity mm-hmm. in the system, there there are some things that fundamentally have to change. People shouldn't be punished for paying off their debt, no, regardless of how old it is. Like, I'd be good with it staying neutral. It's like you paid off some debt. That's awesome. Your credit score is not changing. Right. But the idea that, you know, you pay off some debt and they give you like a, hey, congratulations. We know that's been on your record for a long time and we're glad to see you making some headway. So now we're going to ding your credit score and drop you into the, a lower level. So we that still way need, now we you still need to make money off of you. Exactly. So exactly. It's a, it's a, it's an industry built on making money. That's the thing Debt is, and there's no counterculture to that. That's what I mean. Like you're right. Mm -hmm. This is my biggest question. And it has been for 20 years. How do I clean my credit up without falling into a scam that ruins my credit? It's easier just to let the credit fall off than it is to actually try and defeat it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that's where I think, I think this is where, you know, as someone who is always up for a good fuck the feds, fuck the system, mm-hmm. I think that it's time for people to come up with a new system that looks at this information and loans based off of new risks. The idea that someone paying off a loan creates a greater risk is absolutely mm-hmm. insane. Exactly. If I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, the loan that I paid off is roughly about a thousand dollars a year that I'm no longer having to spend at at one particular place that Mm -hmm. I'm now free to either clear up other debt or for some of you out there who happen to think more in terms of the economy, that's a thousand dollars more that I have to put into my local economy that will create jobs. Yeah, but you're not giving it to the people that are making money off your debt. Exactly. They have so, to keep, they have to keep you neck deep in quicksand. And when you try and climb out a little, they're like, there you go. Thanks for trying, but here's more sand. So exactly. And 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 so that's where I, I see the need for either either a great deal of pressure on these companies to change the fundamental design of how they calculate this stuff. I mean, you, you, I've heard this time and again from people who work in the banking industry. Oh, well, we look at all of these other things, but what? But what? Give but me a that loan. credit score, that credit score is what locks you into a specific rate. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's you, it, I think it's fantastic that you see that I pay it off and it makes you more willing to lend me money. Right. But that doesn't make you more willing to lend me money at a lower rate. Yeah. And, a five, and that's and, a, and that's the difference. You know, the difference is is they're willing to lend you money. They're not willing to lend you money at a lower rate because you've paid off debt, and right. that is just one of the secrets of keeping people poor. 
because a 500 credit score to somebody working on their credit as opposed to somebody destroying their credit is a 500 credit score. And it, lump, it lumps a good person in with somebody that's taking advantage of the system. And there is people that have used their child's credit to, you mm -hmm. know, they've destroyed it before the child was five. There's people yep. that have, have used their credit in ways because they'd rather have the bad credit and the current cash. There's there's scammers in every system. And now everything is just so scammy. We spend our lives trying to protect ourselves from the one scam that just happened to somebody else, as opposed to finding somewhere that isn't a scam to help us get through it. Yeah. I always thought the Consumer Protection Agency was that. And that alone is why I loved Elizabeth Warren, because I would go work for that. I would love to root out scams. These Medicare commercials that are like, you can get rides to the hospital and all this stuff. No, it's all based on one number and you're just going to burn through that number faster and spend more. And that's the problem. And it's all these scams that are out there as legitimate. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to call Medicare because there's the Medicare hotline that offers more. You can't offer more than the company that is giving it to the people that are subsidiaries that are selling it, you know? And there's so many scams and credit is, is the big one. It's the big one. And I don't know how to get out of it. And I don't know who to turn to so that I can get it done. Oh, I think somebody might say hi here real quick. Oh no. They're just turning on the lizard light, lizard. but there's Billy. Billy. And then there's Billy. Billy will always say hi. Come here, Billy. Hi, Billy. Hi, Billy. So, so this is, so like I said, you know, this is one of those things like, these systems interact with each other in such a way. So when we talk about what what systemic issues look with look like, mm -hmm. you that's know, one. that's one. That's just one, and it is one that affects people of color proportionately more than yes. non people, yeah. white yeah. people. And so that's one of those things where, if we you want to create equity within the system, like it shouldn't it shouldn't take it shouldn't take an analysis like this to say, Hey, this isn't fair. Why should people be punished for, for doing better? Right. For, for, for bettering themselves based on their past even. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be a jerk, but I just, I just went through the pandemic paying my rent and utilities. That's got to count for something. Right. Right. And so the, so this is where, you know, I think Everybody needs to band together on this one, because if if you want communities to do better, if you want communities to spend more within each other, then we have to stop being punished by these large systems that mm. are designed to milk money out of the least of us, quote right. unquote. Because you know, people, you know, you know that people that have plenty of money, they're either a they don't need loans, or b if they get a loan you know damn good and well that they're getting a million dollar loan at a rate lower than you and I could get a $5,000 loan for. Yeah. But I mean, isn't that slightly fair based on the risk? Based on the risk, it could be. That's, that's where I'm saying it could be like, I don't expect, you know, somebody who's making, you know, $15 an hour to be able to get a million dollar loan. I mean, but here again, you know, you're looking at other factors, like what kind of capital does that person have? Mm -hmm. You know, a person making $15 an hour probably does not have, you know, $10 million in capital right. sitting behind them. But, but a person who is, 
paying off their debt and then getting dinged for right. paying off their debt can't get a $5,000 loan or a $10,000 loan or a home loan at a cheaper rate to buy a house so because should, they're being there's, punished. So there should be a, um, a more diverse look at threat, right? Well, and a change in the calculations. To, in, instead of lumping Jason and Jeffrey in because they're white males of a certain age that have, have a certain consistency and, and putting that with other people like me with a bad credit score. And um, I don't know, my, my neighbor of color were in a certain boat, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. maybe one's working on it and one isn't, I'm not, maybe he is, you know, and to put us in the same boat and charge us the same rates when there's uh, an emergency, that kind of sucks, you know, absolutely sucks. He's working hard to get out of it. I'm sitting here like a lump. The emergency happens and he has to pay the same thing as a guy that isn't even trying. That's not fair. No, it's not. And, and, and those are things that, you know, the, the weight and the calculations have to change. Payment history is important because, mm -hmm. you know, payment history is showing us that, Hey, people are capable of paying on their debt, but it's not weighted as much as some of these other things are. And some agencies like FICO, they tried to weight more towards that, uh, payment history. Right. And, and it works out. It works, it works nicely, but this is, you know, everybody's got their, their, you know, every credit agency, every lending agency has their preferred use. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's using Experian or TransUnion, um, you know, while, while uh, that, that payment history is important, I mean, unfortunately, good, good payment history does not help you as much as bad payment history dings you. So proportionally, we'll just go with that. Right. Um, but also still, like the idea that a person can pay off a loan and have their credit score get hit, that's something that has to fundamentally change. If you want people to get out of debt, but to be able to use credit in a way that's responsible, so that way you reduce the risk of losing your money, you have to change the calculations. So that way people who are getting loans mm -hmm. and are paying off their debts mm -hmm. are not getting dinged so hard. Right. Like, these are people who could go on to open a business. These are people who could go on to buy homes. These are people who could easily invest in their community and keep that money circulating and generating uh, opportunities for other members of the community who need it. But because yeah. these systems are designed and built the way that they are, you aren't going to see that change. No. And I think, I think an important thing, an, an important byproduct of that conversation, if we're talking about the credit crushing down on people, is is the sand that's sucking them in. And that is a living wage. And if you want people to be able to get further in their credits, not only do you have to adjust that, but you have to give people money to pay these things. You know what and I mean? Thus, and thus you see the, you know, you have to increase revenues, but you also have to decrease the rate yeah. at which you charge debt. Like these right. are things, these are things that they work in tandem. If you, you know, you can get a you can get a net positive out of changing one, but if you want a greater uh, mm -hmm. magnitude of force, you have to work on both. 
Yeah, there is people that scam the system because they want to see where the weak spots are. But then there's people that aren't really scamming the system. They're trying to survive through loopholes. You know what I mean? Like they're just it's waiting really- for the next advice on how to get out of it, you know, and then they try that. And then so that's all it is. We're just trying to survive or live under the radar or not report entirely. So mm-hmm. if somebody generates income and it's not legal, but it's they're surviving on it. Who's losing out? You know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, this is this is one of those things. It's another one of those things that royally bothers me. And it's it's something that I hope that, you know, maybe somebody out there hears this conversation today and goes, you know what, we're gonna change this up. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. go out there, we're gonna look at this system, or we're gonna create our own system. Yeah, you know, Just of of offer, how offer solutions. I wanna know. The yeah. solution because you know, like you, I think you and I are a lot alike in where if you drop 200 pages of policy of the definition of how credit is maintained or judged or anything, we could make alterations to it and say, Oh, I don't like this. Oh, mm-hmm. add, add this, change this. But we're just talking about the ether, we're talking about a system that doesn't seem to be in print or anything definable when you play a video game you don't know the rules you don't know the boundaries and you're running wild but eventually you learn the you learn the boundaries like in grand theft auto and then you can you can game the system once you know where the boundaries are i don't know where i don't know the definitions of this thing called credit then i can't play the game i'm not i'm not expert in it so i can play the game you know and most people who think that they're gaming the system unfortunately find themselves a victim of it yeah you know you look at some of the some of the simple things out there that you could get you know for example like um one of the one of the greatest scams out there to me has been the advent of the the rewards cards it's like oh well you know by spending money you're accumulating all these points that you can you then use on airline fees right okay you know what they don't tell you about that is the fact that those those credit cards are generally charging a much higher percentage rate on them. Mm-hmm. It's like you are better off quite legitimately finding a credit card that has the lowest possible rate, po- uh, lowest possible rate, and no perks. Well, they're offering you one point five percent cash back, which is great if you're a business spending five hundred thousand dollars a year and get a lower interest rate. But then you're able to you. pay that off in full yeah. every time you use it. Right. That's a, that's what uh, American Express was. Right. You can mm-hmm. have the credit, but you pay that back. <laughs> like, you don't get mm-hmm. to roll over your credit. Right. And unfortunately, you know, you get everybody gets enticed by all of these different things. Like, oh well. I get an X percent discount if I shop at this store with using yeah. their credit card. Well, mm-hmm. the reason you get that X percent is because that that credit card actually charges like 25% yeah. on it. And realistically, people are going to carry a balance on it. So that 5% that you saved right then and there is going to actually turn into costing you about an extra 35 bucks. Yeah. I've always believed, just give me the cheapest price. I hate sales because the sale says, Hey, we've been ripping you off and we're not going to for a week, you know? (laughs) Right. Or, or a sale says, Hey, you know, we, uh, we don't like this thing that we're carrying. So we're going to mark the price down a whole bunch and tell you no returns. Yeah, Yeah. I had that happen one time at a company I worked for where we, we marked a, we marked a laptop on sale and people came in and bought it and we just said no returns on it. Mm. And 
I didn't know anything about why. I was just like, ah, we probably are getting a new shipment of computers. And this this laptop we were selling was straight junk. Mm. I mean, out of the 17 that our store sold, 14 of them came back within yeah. two weeks, completely worthless. That's they were the just side crap. If it's on sale because nobody wants it and they're trying to find the base price that people will pay. You know? Right. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, <sighs> and why one more thing on that, why would you spend money to print a coupon to give me 30%, 30 cents off of something? Why wouldn't you just lower the cost 30 cents? I hate so this that. one. So this one's interesting because, you know, so in terms of mathematical marketing, there's, there's a, something called JND just noticeable difference it's a marketing tactic that when they give you a certain percent off mm -hmm. it's just enough to make you go and to make you say in your head mm, that's actually worth spending money on exactly it's exactly what it does to me so so then the question is is okay what does a jnd look like for various industries Overall, it looks like about 10%. If you give someone a 10% discount on something, they're going to go, hmm, yes, that looks like I should buy it. But here's the, but here's the kicker is, is that what does that, what does that 10% off actually look like? Well, that depends on what your markup is on the item. Exactly. So like some things where they're high volume and they're not making a profit on, they're barely making a profit on them. Like maybe a, you know, a penny to 10 cents an item. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to see any sort of sales on those things unless it's like, they've got to get inventory out. And even then most likely you're going to see the sale at just low enough to where they're still actually making profit on it. There's like a change in regulation on how they have to produce it. And so they have to change or alter their, yeah, something like that. Then you'll see them dump the product or make generic right. or stuff like that. Right. But for larger ticket items where you, you've got markup of, you know, anywhere from, mm -hmm. you know, 25 to 75%, Cooking you know, cereal, stuff like that. Yeah. They're, they're still making a bunch of money on it. If they give you 10% off what they were going to charge you, yes. what it does is it just allows them to move more volume of something. And so the way that some of these shipping systems have been designed is, is that they look at what your real inventory rate is. And if you're not moving it, it says, Hey, you're about to get another shipment lower the price on this now mm -hmm. yeah because so, everybody has automatic reorder points right exactly so that's so that's one of those things where it's like yeah you you the consumer are probably going to save a little bit of money mm -hmm. but the idea that you know the idea that it's it's some magical point in which we're not going to be you know the company's going to take an l on it there are very few points in which companies will take a loss on something and it's because there might be something that they can get you in the door on and spend money on that is going along with that item and so that's where you get the whole the complementary goods or supplementary good so like for example you know uh you might you might go in and buy an xbox from walmart for example you know, it doesn't matter if you buy an Xbox at Walmart, Target, uh, Best Buy, Amazon, Microsoft. It's the same price regardless, but it's the complimentary goods that go with it that you are going to spend money on. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you buy a headset, for example, that headset is going to have a markup on it that is going to make the institution money. 
Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And so even though they might not make any money on it whatsoever, the chances are that they're going to get you to buy something that goes along with it is going to make them money. Mm -hmm. I mean, McDonald's takes a loss on its cheeseburger because they know you're going to get fries and a drink and pay the markup for that stuff. Anyway, thank you for listening to Public Access America. Tune in this Thursday for the follow-up, which Jeffrey and I are going to continue to do on our live streams at YouTube at Public Access America. And you can find our podcast like literally everywhere. But go to Spotify because those are my favorite stats right, right now. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. And keep moving forward. How much you can take it and keep moving forward. That's how we did it Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Podable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save... You can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. 
Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.